All right, welcome into a very special 11 dub cast, a, a holiday special. We had to move it back a little bit because of the Christmas holiday, but even though we're running around and even though our good friend Bo is on assignment, uh, we're very lucky to have with us Kevin Harris. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great, you know. It's, uh, it's Did Christmas uh, treat you well? Did you have a, a happy a happy holidays? Yeah, and holidays are always happy, you know. Um, a, a teen committed on Christmas. <laughs> he wanted to give you the gift of having to write about it um, on the internet and tell people. I, I that thought I thought he was. I thought he was gonna gonna do me bad. He luckily it happened around like three. I thought he was gonna commit at like eight and just leave me <laughs> hanging the entire day. <laughs> But that would have been terrible. Is that the best gift that you received on your Christmas holiday? Uh, probably. All right. What, what Can I, I let me ask got, you this. I got like... Well, let me ask you this, Kevin. What is the greatest or best Ohio State related gift you have ever gotten? Hmm. Hmm. Trying to think. I've gotten a lot of Ohio State related gifts. I just don't know. I was just thinking, I thought of this because we were on Slack and a, uh, you know, someone who will remain, I guess it was a roommate, right, of Dave's. So it wasn't, you know, maybe him per se, but it, this collage is like one of the most insane MS Paint things that I've ever seen in my entire life. And there is just the plethora, and maybe I need to do a post about this, but there's a plethora of just incredibly goofy, bad, bootlegged Ohio State merchandise out there. And it's, mm-hmm. it's it's unbelievable. It's an incredible industry. And I, I think we need to explore it a little bit more. I've never gotten yeah, any, I, I've never gotten any really like crazy bootleg stuff, but I did get, I remember my grandparents got me a six pack of commemorative 2002 championship season Coca-Cola cans uh, afterwards. And I still have them. I, they're still sitting around somewhere in my parents' basement unopened. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud huh. of that. The the one the one good Ohio State themed gift that I have given was it was uh it was like it was a really cool um play it was like all framed a diagram of uh like hand drawn diagram from Jim Trussell of the Holy Buckeye play oh that's fantastic um, and then I had like so I, I got that and then I had uh somehow encountered both Craig Krenzel and Michael Jenkins and had both of them sign it too. That's and awesome. I gave it to my brother-in-law. Wow. Your brother-in-law is indebted to you for life because that's, that's like the coolest yeah. thing. So honestly, God, that's like one of the coolest Ohio state related presents I've ever heard anybody give. That's incredible. Uh, I guess the gift that we're going to be getting here in a few days is a Rose bowl, which you may or may not be super excited about. And and that's actually what I kind of want to ask you about before we get into kind of the details about some of the stuff and, uh, you know, just talking about the X's and O's of the game briefly. How how pumped are you for this game? Are you excited? Is this something that you really place a lot of value on? Or are you a disgusting, terrible millennial who just doesn't like tradition or bowls or fun or anything like that? No, I, I think the Rose Bowl is fine and good. Um, I think it's it's fun. Um, really cool environment like the the rose bowl especially does a lot of cool like traditional things even if it's the the beef bowl or the um going to disney world or disneyland sorry disneyland and stuff like that um i i I think the rose bowl in general is just is cool with stuff like that and the the pageantry and the tradition so it's always cool even if it's you know essentially an exhibition game to um 
really have that and it's it's cool that urban meyer after all the um you know all the all the stuff that's happened with like in his life that he's never played in a uh rose bowl you know um, yeah he's grown up around ohio state football he's uh started as a ga and stuff like that and this is this is his first time coaching um in a rose bowl and i, I think that's kind of cool and fitting that this coaching at ohio state is that it's going to be um the rose bowl as he was growing up now it's I, I guess the luster is worn off a little bit because it's not a playoff game or a championship game or anything, but sure. when he was growing up, the Rose bowl was, was the biggest game. So I think, I mean, in a sense, it's always been an exhibition game. You know what I mean? Like they, if the two yeah. teams in the Rose bowl weren't necessarily playing for the national championship every time those two teams met, even when it was only the Pac 10 right. and only the big 10, that doesn't mean that you're playing for national championship. And so I get a little annoyed when people are like, well, now it's just an exhibition. It's always been an exhibition game. Always like it's not that has not changed since the time right. it was created till the time uh, that they're going to be playing it in a few days. So, you know, as far as the exhibition aspect goes, I want it to be an actual exhibition. This is something that Dan has, uh, I think, just written about. It's something we talked about on the Dubcast last week. I just want there to be like I want him to empty the playbook. I don't want there to be a single wasted play where something completely ridiculous could happen. And I think judging by how loose he appears and how excited the the team seems to be overall, I think that that's what you're going to get. I think you're going to see an interesting fun game and I'm I'm really excited about it. Not necessarily because I think it means so much to the players or whatever aside from, you know, Urban Meyer's last game, but just because it's it's an opportunity to like really just kick a lot of ass. And I, I, I want to see that happen. Like that's, that was the promise yeah. of Urban Meyer. I want to see that fulfilled. Yeah. I, I think, I think it'll be a ton of fun. Um, I think like you noted, like his, his change in demeanor in general, um, ever since like that Michigan game, it's, I don't know. He's just, he's be um, having genuinely a lot of fun out there. So I think it'll be interesting to see um, kind of with, with no real pressure. Um, on this, this Rose Bowl game, just to see how things work out. And uh, I think we will see that. I think we'll see a lot of the players having fun. Um, just a lot of, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of expecting the feel. You, you might kind of understand what I'm getting at here, but like kind of expecting the feel of like the second half of the 2015 Virginia Tech game. I got you. You know, when, no, when everything, just, everything just kind of went right for Ohio State and it was just like a celebration. Like it wasn't right. like, I don't know, like it got to the point where it was it wasn't about winning or anything. It was just like, holy hell this team is loaded and um they're just gonna they're just playing football it was it was more of like a, a spectacle than it was a com- competitive football game i guess right um, and I, I think that's kind of what i people have been hoping for ever since that game and it really hasn't materialized but you know there's one last shot here and i think if it's gonna happen it's, it's gonna happen in the rose bowl with uh the best statistical quarterback in ohio state history and uh three thousand yard receivers Right. Well, let me ask you this though: do, Does the do the injuries on the offensive line worry you at all? Because I'm a little freaked out. I honestly think, like, if Washington makes this a game, which nobody really expects, like, how depressing would that be to be sitting in the third quarter? Yeah. It's like a three point game, and Urban Meyer decides to turtle. Like to me, that's the worst case scenario. Not necessarily Ohio State losing. Yeah. That would obviously be bad, but for it to be as joyless and as like, I don't know, an exercise in trudgery as some of these other games were 
earlier on in the season. You know what I mean? Like, because I want it yeah, to be I, fun I either that. way, but if it's not fun and it's just like nerve wracking, like that is the worst case scenario for me. Absolute worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that for sure. I think the, the only like big difference is like the game ultimately like doesn't matter that much, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I hesitate, like I hesitate to say it doesn't matter, but like, Every other game that Ohio State's played this year, like they they couldn't lose essentially, especially after the Purdue game. So it's like sure. there there's a lot of fear when they would go down, but it's like eh, if Ohio State goes down a touchdown, like who cares, you know? Um, but uh, so I I don't I don't really necessarily see that. I also don't think like I, the offensive line thing doesn't really concern me that much because like Washington's loaded in the secondary, but they don't really have a pass rush at all. No. So um, I I don't know I. I like I, given given that Ohio State handled Michigan pretty well and Penn State decently, and I I just don't think it's really going to be that much of an issue, even if you know their Munford Munford can't play and there's injuries and they're banged up. I I just don't think that'll really be an issue, regardless. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I have at least you know it's weird because there's been so much consternation. You, you go through the season. And you watch these games and you go, all right, next game is going to be a super big dud. We have no desire to sit here and watch this. It's just going to be, it's going to be terrible. We don't want to watch it. It's going to, we know exactly what the score is going to be and you just hate it. But what the saving grace is in games like that is when you have some players, when you have playmakers that you know are going to do something completely ridiculous, right? Like when, so when Braxton Miller was on the team, even when you had these like just awful matchups that you knew Ohio State was just going to house the other team, you knew Braxton Miller was going to do something ridiculous. And you're like, I'm going to watch yeah. it anyway because I know Braxton Miller could spin around 40 times and have a 95-yard touchdown run. Like that's something that yeah. you hoped would happen. And the cool thing about the evolution of this season is that in the last like two or three games – you finally, and it took a long time, but you finally had some of these players where you're like, oh, that guy's going to do something crazy. That guy's going to be really awesome. Yeah. And obviously Dwayne Haskins has been excellent and incredible all season long. That's that's a given. But if you're looking for excitement, you need to see guys like wide receivers and running backs and some of these other dudes who can like just have an instant impact play. And I think right. you're starting to see a little bit of that. So that, look, yeah. That's what I'm excited about because I really think that guys like KJ Hill and, and even, you know, some of the running backs who have started to, you know, JK is obviously like up and down, but he has the capability of doing really crazy things. Mike Weber, um, I, you know, I'm just excited because I think there's a potential for big, crazy plays on the, on the part of Ohio State rather than just being done to Ohio State. So I don't know. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. And, and I don't look... You know, it's the, we've we've keep belaboring this point, but it's the last game with Urban Meyer. He's got to do something to, I think, put his signature on the story or on the letter that he's been writing to college football for so long. Urban Meyer has said such a huge impact on the game overall in the last 10, 15, 20 years that I think people need to, or at least he needs to kind of like put that final statement uh as to what that yeah. is because i don't know i mean i think he'll eventually coach again but you know that's a conversation for another day but i just you know a lot of people are gonna be looking at this as like a summation of urban meyer's career and i want it to be i want it to be a 60 point victory where you know he you know keeps going for touchdowns even though there's only two minutes left in the game so 
that's what I want. That's right. what I'm hoping for. I don't know if we'll necessarily get that big of one, but you know, I think it'll be fun either way. So, um, the other thing that I want to talk about, we, by the way, 11 warriors.com, uh, the dry goods store, please check it out. They help uh, make sure that we're staying on the air. And so that's dry goods. 11 warriors.com. Also, if you're enjoying the dubcast, please go ahead and check us out on iTunes rate and subscribe. Kevin, I am really glad that you're here because we're going to we're going to move in to ask us anything. And I just briefly want to, you know, get some some good answers from you on these really important questions of the day. So this one, uh, the 11 uh, Dubcast, we've got our ask us anything. You can send us questions to Dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. Uh, this first one, I am really excited to ask you this one. This is from Nelson. He wants to know, what do you think of this coaching trade? Uh, Greg Schiano for Chris Ash. Do you think Rutgers would go for it? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, a lot of people have been throwing that out there. Um, uh-huh. I, I think, I think honestly, like who says no, you know, like uh, Chris Ash worked <laughs> out fine at Ohio state and um, Greg Schiano looked out fine. I, it it Rutgers. I I just think it's fascinating, like how quick like the, the narrative around Shiano has switched to, like like I don't know, like like for the past two years, people have been, like what an talking idiot. about how great. Yeah, like like well, pa- past two years, everyone's like Greg Shiano is awesome, you know, like and they never would have dreamed of replacing Shiano with Chris Ash when Ohio State's I don't know, like <laughs> walking teams down and right. um has like back-to-back top three secondaries and stuff and then this year they're like he needs it out like send him to Rutgers we bring Chris Ash back I I just think it's funny how fickle people are yeah I it's it's funny to me in part because there's been such a precipitous drop off in the defense that the knee-jerk reaction is like it's got to be the coaching right like all things being yeah. equal, all high state players are the best players in the history of the universe. So therefore the coach must be doing something completely different. And I'm like, my knee jerk, my reaction to that is maybe the players just aren't that great. Maybe you've got, cause I don't think the coaching has changed that significantly in a year. And, and granted he can make missteps in terms of personnel and scheme and things like that. I'm not saying that that's not possible, but I know that coaches have a, I guess a style, they have a, a template that they go by and maybe the, the players just don't fit that template super well this year. I think they've gotten yeah. better as the years gone. I don't think they've gotten that much better, but yeah, I think Greg Shiano is still a hell of a coach. I just think that maybe the, the players just weren't super up to snuff this year. And, and I don't know. I, maybe I, think, I think, I think, no, I think you're spot on. And I think like the criticisms of Shiano are not that he's, or like should are not merited when it's like he's objectively bad. I yeah. think that the criticism is the the players, like you're saying, are not as good as they have been. Um, right. Not really like I mean, you look at who Ohio State's had in the secondary the past like three years or so, and you're talking like Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Hooker, Gary on Conley, Denzel yeah. Ward, and that's just, just going to be a drop off. in the secondary this year. Right, and and I think I think the fair criticism is that Shiano has not adjusted his defense to right those guys at all. He's he's getting out schemed um, every week because he's insistent on running the same basic scheme that he has when he had um, you know top five picks at, at cornerback out there, and I, I think that is a more than fair criticism because it, it's 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 just kind of a lack of 
self-awareness when um, you're insisting that your guys can play, you know, man-to-man coverage on an island when they just <laughs> have proven every week that they can't do that. So yeah, every week, um, every I, play. I think, right? Yeah. So I, I, I think it's it's just it's frustrating to see him get um, out schemed every single week just because of arrogance of, you know, yeah. we should be able to do this, but well, like, and, and not self awareness that they can't. Right. And here's what I would say about that, though, is that 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 falls a little bit on the head coach. You know what I mean? Like that that falls on the head coach to tell his coordinator, hey, this is clearly not working. Like you have to understand the players that you have and stop trying to mold them to fit an ideal that they're not going to fit. And so I agree. That is a 100 percent valid criticism of Greg Schiano. It's not something that he has done well over the course of the season. But I also think that, you know, there are clear deficiencies, I think, in personnel. And it's not that they're terrible players. It's just that they're not nearly as good as what came before. And that that's going to happen when you have so many guys who are first-round NFL players in the secondary. It's just it's inevitable drop-off that you just have to deal with. But it's not the worst thing in the world. Right. Uh, next one here, this is from our good friend Alvin. He just wants to know, what should Ryan Day's identity be uh, moving forward as a recruiter, coach, brand ambassador, et cetera? Should he just be urban light, or should he try to develop his own kind of brand? No, I, I think Ryan Day is exceptionally interesting and like a real person. Yes. Um, and I, I hesitate I hesitate to say that Urban Meyer is not, but also like he, he's not. Like the the way <laughs> the way the way he recruits is like um extremely, extremely robotic. Um yes. like I, from from my understanding, they just pump out like like stuff about how the team produces NFL picks and um, just recruiting graphics and stuff like that to the point where like a lot of it isn't even like personal to the players that he's recruiting. Like there aren't so many conversations and stuff. And I I know that just hasn't really resonated with every recruit necessarily. Um, And kind of like kids like Zach Harrison and stuff like Zach Harrison didn't care that Ohio state produced a ton of NFL prospects. Like, any school that he goes is going to produce him to be an NFL prospect. He's a freak of nature, you know? Um, and, and so I think like in that sense, I think Ryan day can really benefit from just kind of being who he is and being a likable person because he is, he's an extremely, extremely likable person. Yeah. I, you know what I honestly, and maybe this is just a comparison of convenience, but I think that Ryan day really, really reminds me a lot of Chris Holtman in a lot of ways just because of his ability to sell his personality and just be kind of a guy, you know, and not, and not this intimidating, you know, X factor that urban Meyer kind of brings when he walks into the room and you don't necessarily need that to get recruits. I mean, yes, urban Meyer has just presided over this insane, unbelievable recruiting regime that has brought in the greatest classes Ohio state's ever seen. I don't necessarily expect Ryan day to be able to do that, but I think he's going to be successful in his own way because of what you just said. He's a personable, interesting guy that people like to be around. So I just, you know, it's not going to be the same thing. And I don't think he should be urban Meyer light because he is an urban Meyer light, but I think his own style is going to be pretty damn effective. So I'm, you know, it's, it's going to be cool to see what kind of recruiting classes he throws together and what his approach is. So our next one here, this is another one from Nelson. He wants to know, uh, when we talk about great coaches here on the Dubcast, we don't always refer to Dabo Swinney. So why why is that? Do we not believe that he's a great coach? I will, I'll start this. 
I just forget sometimes about Dabo, which is dumb because clearly he's he's a great coach and, and Clemson obviously has, has done some incredible things uh, in recent years. I It's weird because I think that you have this dichotomy when you talk about Urban Meyer between him and Nick Saban. And so your tendency is to basically compare Urban against the best, which is Saban. So maybe Dabo doesn't show up in the conversations as much. I don't know. Kevin, how 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 do you feel about him as a coach? Yeah, so Dabo, I think I think he is a little underrated as a head coach. I, I think uh, he does deserve to be in uh, that same conversation as Urban and uh, and um, Nick Saban a little bit. And I, I think you're right in the sense that we do um, try to compare Urban to the best, which is Nick Saban. But like honestly, like we Dabo is a little overlooked there. Um, and uh, honestly, Dabo's owned Urban a, a number of times. Uh, you know, in 2016, that 31 to nothing beat down. And then that win in, um, in 2013 as well, uh, where Sammy Watkins um, and Taj Boyd just destroyed that poor Ohio State secondary. But um, I, I think, I think yeah, Dabo, Dabo certainly belongs in that conversation. Um, you know, and, and when you really think about it, like there aren't that many active coaches who've won a national title. Um, and right. I, I, think, I think it's crazy that like, I, before this year, I mean, has Mac Brown won a national title? He has to have yet, right? Yeah, he did. Uh, he yeah, with uh, yeah, with Texas against USC, right Young. in two thousand six. Yeah, or so, 2000... so now you got Mac Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so now you got Mac Brown and, and Les Miles joining again. But like right now, like the co- the active coaches who've won a national title, it's Urban Meyer, um, Dabo Sweeney, and Nick Saban. That's it, right? I'm pretty sure that's it. <laughs> More or less, yeah, yeah. Which is nuts. Like, I mean, and it, it one of the other things. This is something we can talk about when we have a conversation about the college football playoff, and we'll definitely have that conversation. I think in the coming weeks. But there hasn't been a new national champion since like the mid nineties. You know what I mean? So, like, it, the pool is relatively small. And you're right. Like, that's if you're part of that. If you're part of that club, you're you're good. You're legit. So I, I would agree right. with you. I think he's underrated a little bit. Um, all right, last one here. This is for uh, this is from uh, Steve. Just wants to know a little about Justin Fields. If he transfers in, which I think most people expect him to, uh, what does Tate do? What does Mr. Tate Martell do? My my take on that, my take on Justin Fields and, and, and everything is that, you know, first of all, there's no guarantees in anything with college football. And, and people who perceive this as a, you know, an old timey. Well, it's just, you know, just kids trying to go to the college that they love the best. And they just a Buckeye through yeah. like that, that cracks me up because it's always a, in a lot of ways is a business decision, but it's always a decision also about, you know, playing time. And there's so many different factors that go into it. I personally, if I'm Tate Martell and I see Justin Fields coming in, I would probably see the writing on the wall a little bit and understand that I've got a different coaching regime. I've got a different uh, head coach with a different approach to the quarterback position and probably maybe take my chance at a transfer just because it's not, it's not just Justin Fields. It's a different mentality about what the co- what, what the quarterback position is at Ohio state. And if you have a yeah. coach with a different mentality than your previous coach and values your skill set differently, then I would totally understand why you might say, you know what? I might dip. I might not want to stick around and, you know, be passed up the depth chart several times because I don't necessarily have the same, 
you know, skills. And look, we don't have, we can't do a pixel by pixel analysis of exactly how tall Tate Martell is, although some people have tried. Uh, <laughs> but the point is, is that he doesn't fit the prototypical, he, he's not Dwayne Haskins. He doesn't fit the prototypical quarterback stereotype. And, and that's something that I think he's aware of. It doesn't mean he's a bad player. It doesn't mean he's not talented. Of course he is. He's unbelievably talented, and I think he'll have success at any number of schools. But as far as what happens when Justin Fields comes in, I, I think that would be, um, you know, I think that'd be a pretty good sign for Tate to start looking maybe elsewhere. And not necessarily, again, because if he wants to stay at Ohio State, he'll stay at Ohio State. I'm not saying that. I just means in terms of playing time and and maybe what the, the new head coach wants. So that's Ask Us Anything. Thank you guys for writing in. Really appreciate it. Up next, we've got a report from California, from sunny California, from our good friend Dan Hope. And, and uh, yeah, we'll see what he has to say about the goings-on at the Rose Bowl. Well, we are really lucky to have our intrepid reporter, uh, Dan Hope, coming to us from beautiful, sunny California. How are things going over there? Going well. We've been here a couple days so far. It's beautiful weather here, which is which is great. And, you know, Rose Bowl week's in full swing. so. Uh, we're enjoying it so far and gearing up for the game. Well, it's it's also beautiful here in Columbus, Ohio. I mean, I don't know how much you like, you know, That's 50 degrees and rainy, but I'm, I'm sure it's comparable to what's going on there <laughs> in, uh, in L.A. I want So let's we'll start with the fun stuff. We've got a couple things, obviously, on the site that we have been showing what the team's been up to. We've got some Disneyland stuff or Disney World. I was I was going to mix up Disneyland or Disney World. Which one is it? Disneyland is the one out here in California. Perfect. All right, so we got Disneyland, we've got the uh, the Beef Bowl, we got all kinds of stuff going on. Of the things that you guys have been able to check out and, and watch the team participate in, what what has been your favorite moment um, so far in the lead up to this this bowl game? I think I've got to go for Beef Bowl because uh, we got a, a nice you got to participate. A yeah, it's basically a fifty dollar <laughs> meal for free from a media a big big plate of prime rib, uh, some apple pie. Uh, some mashed potatoes, some corn, a really good meal. So uh, at any time you can get me in the door with some some really good food, uh, that's always going to move it up in my book. So uh, I'd have to say that's probably at the top of the list right now. That sounds pretty good. I mean, the, the pictures that you were able to share on the site and everything involved, it just seems like the quintessential, this is a college football bowl activity. You know what I mean? Like let's eat as much meat as possible and then make it into a contest. I think that's exactly what – a you know a bowl activity should be the Disneyland scene you know that seemed pretty sweet as well you were talking about how like Urban Meyer hasn't been on a roller coaster in forever and some of the guys who weren't as wild about actually being on the roller coaster was getting the photo op um does the team look loose do they seem like they're enjoying themselves I think so you know and I think you want that I think you know in a game like this it's not it's not a playoff game you, you right. want to see the team enjoying themselves happy to be here and so far i get the impression that they are i think you know certainly uh being in los angeles being in california is a fun place to be this time of year so uh, i think they're definitely excited about that but i think they're motivated to go win a game too especially for being on the myers last game i think this team really wants to send them out on top so i think they're loose i think they're feeling good but i think they're also working really hard uh, trying to finish this season off with a win over washington well, actually, I want to talk about Urban Meyer real quick because it seems from the pictures and, and from the way it's reported, he seems really loose. He seems like he's in a good mood. Um, do you expect 
him to like really try to go out with a bang or is this kind of business as usual for him? Is he indicated that this is, he's going to try to make this into something special or just something that, you know, let's go out, win, have a good time. You know, we, we know how he is. He, he's the type. He, he's, he's always going to say it's best players. It's for the team. That's where my focus is. He's not going to openly indicate that he, he wants to do anything differently in this game because he, he's always going to say it's not players. It's not team. We're trying to go win a football game. But right. I think he doesn't want to go out with a bang. I think he will try to go with a bang. You know, I was actually talking to Colin about this a few minutes ago about if he's got anything up his sleeve at this point, now you got Now when you got to use it, you can't. You can't save anything now. So you know any six plays you got in the good book, any any different wrinkles that you want to try. Now's the time to try it. So I I I, I, I do think that we're gonna see uh, a a loose Urban Meyer and an aggressive Urban Meyer in his final game as coach. And you know I I think I I think a lot of it is just that you know he he has been able to just focus on this game. He hasn't been able he hasn't had to worry about recruiting for the past month, which is typically right. what a coach is doing this time of year. But he's been able to just focus on trying to win this game, knowing that, you know, this is it and after this he can take a step back. So I think that's a lot of why you see him looking loose, looking happy, looking relaxed, smiling a little more because he just hasn't had as much to worry about. He's just had to worry about going winning a football game. And you know, as we know uh, winning more than ninety percent of his games at Ohio State, he's done that pretty well. Yeah, I you know I <laughs> I hope that the appearance of uh, Chip Kelly at practice is a good omen for all of this because I'm with you. I I one hundred percent believe that if you're going to do this, this is going to be your last game, and you're in the Rose Bowl, and you know every everybody's going to be trying to see what you do, and all the attention is going to be on you. Go out with a bang, do something crazy, do something ridiculous, and uh, you know just have fun with it. What could be a concern is something that uh, we've been talking about for the past couple of days, which is uh, some of the injuries, obviously, in the offensive line. Uh, Thayer Munford, you know, was not uh, really active in practice. Do you think that's something that's going to keep him out for the bowl game? Or do you believe that that's maybe just, you know, a few days off and then and then come back for the actual bowl? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because we haven't gotten any information from the team yet about his situation. But just looking yesterday. I mean, he wasn't participating at all. He was sitting on a cart next to Demetrius Knox, who we already know is going to play in this game. So right. uh, I think that's a pretty bad sign. Uh, I think less than a week before the game uh, for him not to be participating in practice at all is probably not a good sign. So I think Ohio State's probably preparing at this point for the likelihood of, of Josh Alavi starting the game at left tackle. Uh, but you but you never know. We'll, we'll get a better idea as the week progresses whether – uh, Thayer Munford's going to be available, but at, at this point, it looks like there's probably a pretty good chance that Josh Alabi's going to be starting at left tackle. How big of an impact do you think that that makes on the team's offense, especially when you're talking about a Washington defense that has really kind of not necessarily thrived, but it has a lot of playmakers, uh, especially in the secondary? Is that something where you've got to like make sure that Dwayne has enough time? Is that going to be an issue uh, for that passing game? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you lose your start and left tackle, I think that could certainly hurt. And then you also think of the fact that you're you're basically going to be down two starting offensive linemen if he doesn't play because you already have Demetrius Knox out. You have Wyatt Davis in there, who's only yeah. played one full game at right guard at this point. So uh, that I think that is a concern in terms of the fact that you now only have three of your five offensive linemen who have started all year. And I think anytime you're you're moving around bodies up front, 
uh, that can that can lead to a little less chemistry, a little less cohesion, uh, and that could be an issue. I I, I do think that in terms of this matchup, I, I think the pass rush is probably the weaker point of Washington's defense, where they're 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 really good in the secondary, they're really good at at linebacker, but they're not necessarily a team that is constantly getting after the quarterback from the edges. So. Uh, I, I don't know that it's a, a horrible matchup in that regard, uh, but I do think certainly uh, if, if you're Josh Olavi, if you end up starting this game, this is a huge opportunity for him because this could make or break whether he's a starting tackle for Ohio State next year because uh, there might be more talented young guys uh, like Nick petit Frere coming up behind him, but if you go out in the Rose Bowl filling in uh, for Thayer Munford and you perform well, that could then put you in the driver's seat going into next season uh, to potentially uh, replace Isaiah Prince as that starting right tackle. So let's, I mean, let's look at the game as a whole. You've got a, a veteran quarterback at Washington who, I mean, <laughs> and, and, and and frankly, like not a bad running back either, a pretty good running back. Is that something that concerns you with like, you know, big plays and Ohio State's defense propensity to give them up? Do you think that's going to be the difference? A lot of people are just, putting this all on Ohio State. Ohio State's a big favorite in this game, at least I think in the minds of, of most people who are observing this. Do you think the injuries, do you think the, um, you know, the lack of stoutness sometimes in the Ohio State defense, do you think that's going to make this game closer than people think, or do you think Ohio State still kind of controls this and wins? Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen enough from Ohio State's defense this year to know that nothing's a sure thing with that unit. I, I think <laughs> you, know, you, you, get, you get to go into any game knowing there's the possibility that defense is going to struggle because they've struggled in a lot of games this year. But when I look at Washington's offense, they don't stand out as a big play kind of team. And Miles Gaskin's a good running back, but he's not uh, someone who's typically breaking off 60-yard runs. He's someone who's... who's who's more of a chain mover. If you just look at their offense in general, uh, they're, they're more of a short yardage kind of offense. Uh, Jake Browning's an experienced quarterback, but he's really not a great deep thrower. Uh, they don't have that real big play guy at wide receiver. Uh, they, they, they've got some solid receivers, solid tight ends, a pretty good offensive line, a very big offensive line, but I don't, I don't, they're not an intimidating offense on paper. So, if Ohio State's defense comes to play in this game, I think it could be a blowout because I think even though Washington's defense is really good, we've seen that when Dwayne Haskins and that Ohio State offense is clicking, they're going to be tough for anybody to stop. So ultimately, I expect Ohio State to win this game convincingly. I think I'm going at the final score of 45-17. Wow. Uh, because I, I think that Urban Meyer's final game uh, there's just no way that this team's not going to be motivated to to want to play its best game and to want to send him out with a win. And I think Washington's a solid team, but I think if Ohio State's firing on all cylinders in this in this game, it could definitely end up being a lopsided affair. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. I don't. I don't know that we'll necessarily get that. I'm a little worried that we're gonna we're gonna see Urban just kind of you know have his coach's instincts kick in and just try to win the surest way possible. And uh, I, I want it to be exciting. I want it to be a, a crazy, you know, bomb blowout, just do whatever you need to do to score points. But um, I would love to be proven wrong. I, I hope it's an exciting game. I hope it's a really fun game. Last question I have for you, and I'm just doing this to toot my own horn, but uh, how's your, uh, how are your bowl picks looking, buddy? <laughs> uh, 
I, yeah, I, I don't think they're as good as yours. I, I think they're better <laughs> than Kevin's, but uh, yeah, I think I'm somewhere. <laughs> Almost anything somewhere would be. A, I think I, I think they're somewhere in the middle of the pack. So okay, uh, we'll, we'll see how they progress. But I know that I think you and Grant and Andy, last I checked, were uh, leading the way for the eleven Warriors team. <laughs> I've got I got fifteen right now. I've got I'm I'm ranked fifteenth uh, out of the entire thing. I think it's wow. 99th percentile. And here's what you do. Here, here's the tip for all those listening. You take some flyers on the early ones that nobody knows how they're going to go. You, you just do the underdogs to play the percentages. And then you just do straight chalk after like halfway through. Because then if you somehow luck out and nail on most of them like I did, then you'll just be even with everyone else for the rest of it. So we'll see how it goes. I, uh, I predict that I'm going to lose probably the next five to ten. But, you know. I'm going to, I'm going to crow about it while I still can. Uh, Dan, thank you, you so well. much. yeah, thank you so much for checking in and uh, enjoy the rest of your time in California. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. All right. Thank you, Dan, again, for coming in and talking to us and let us know what, what was going on. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us. And, you know, it's, it's a little irregular. The Dubcast is obviously a little off schedule because of the holidays. We will be back after the Rose Bowl to break all that down. Uh, Bo should be returning here relatively soon. We got, we'll have him back. And uh, again, thanks to Kevin and uh, everyone else for listening and, you know, happy holidays.